Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with myself, Jamie, and my illustrious brother, Bobby. How are you doing, Bobby? I'm very well, Jamie. How are you? I am really, really good. Thanks, mate. Um, enjoyed this episode uh, quite a lot. Loads going on. Lots to talk about, I think. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a very fun episode. I think we talked about the last one being a bit more somber. This was very light-hearted in many ways. Yeah, a lot of light-hearted, bit of energy nice and early. Um, for me, I had loads of things to, to talk about in there and a few little bits of trivia. So, um, yeah, definitely a bit more energetic towards uh, towards this episode. Yeah. Uh, and with that, let's uh, let's get into it. So, Series 3... Episode 2, Healthy Competition. Stick a pony in me pocket. I'll fetch the suitcase from the van. Okay, scene one. Um, we're outside uh, like a shop in what looks like some sort of town centre sort of thing going on. And Dell is, you know, spinning a bit of a yarn. Yeah, they're beautiful, aren't they? They're beautiful. Now listen, I don't care whether your nipper has got measles, mumps or a scabby eye because these are guaranteed to bring a smile right back onto his face. Telling a story about uh, where these dogs have come from and who's got them and why they got them. And he's saying that Prince William has one because uh, I think Prince Charles called him up and said he was in a bind for the, the little nipper's birthday and all this sort of stuff. It, it's great chat from Dell. It is. It's it's absolutely him on, on form. And uh, yeah, it's weird to hear him talk about Prince William being in a nursery where like he's you know all old and got kids of his own and stuff so it's like yeah I do sometimes forget that time has passed I mean William's got no hair left I mean yeah <laughs> a lot of, a lot of time has passed he's probably got the same amount of hair now as he did then <laughs> yeah he's definitely on form he's got the uh got the attention of all the the crowd around him really uh Really on point with all of these jokes and lots of laughs going around. And Rodney is just in a, you know, daydream. Yeah. Just daydreaming and just not really present. Away with the fairies, as they say. Proper away with the fairies. Uh, we get to see a little Bobby, not not you, Bobby, a, a copper. A copper's coming around the corner and we get uh, get a little bit of... Um, John Williams get the Jaws soundtrack uh, playing in the background. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, do you know what? I, I don't think I did. Now, the second you said it, I was like, oh, no. yeah, of course. But I don't think at the time it really uh, computed. Well, it's funny because I wrote it down because I recognised it as the Jaws track straight away. But when I was doing a bit of research, um, apparently the VHS DVD versions were actually a different piece of music. Uh, not the Jaws theme. It was something that sounded a lot like it. So assuming that your the version you're watching is the same as mine, maybe it was maybe it was different. Well, surely we didn't get the Jaws version then. No, I did. I I was certain it was the Jaws version. Uh, mine could have been either way, to be honest. But as soon as you said it, it sounded about right. So it, it definitely sounded like it if it was not it. <laughs> so if they did replace it, they did a good job. Uh, Rodney's completely missed this copper, and uh, Dell's Dell's clocked him before before he has. And just very quickly ends all his uh, his spiel and closes up his uh, his suitcase and starts going getting a bit of a jog on. Sorry, I can't stay. Tell you what, I just remembered. Be flight leave in half an hour. See ya. Uh, and quite literally running away from the police officer, which is brilliant. We're getting into some proper dodgy backstreet trading, you know, against the law. Uh, sort of stuff here, which is great. And um, we get some really nice slapstick moments as he starts running through the shop. He's pushing people out of the way. He runs through a sheet which two people are holding up. Which is just so ridiculously cliche, isn't it? Oh, it's so cliche. It's brilliant. He knocks over some pans. <laughs> it's a bit like uh, Wayne's World. Or Wayne's World, yeah, 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 yeah. When they're taking the taking the piss out of it, and it's like, yeah. no, 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 the glass needs to come this way. Yeah. But it all works brilliantly, and they're just chasing around. Copper's chasing him, and the whole time we've got this bloody squeaking of these dogs. I mean, I I remember these dogs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when we were kids, they were still a thing. When we were, you know, toddlers, I think we had one that did a little backflip. Definitely. 
uh, and they're just yapping away, uh, and it's just brilliant. There's just that's such a fun idea to have them yapping away in the background. I think it's really clever. The highlight of the uh, the running through the the shops has to be um, after the Dell runs through and breaks a vase, and then the copper runs through afterwards, and kind of bumps past the man who had dropped the vase. He barely touches him, and this old man in the antique shop acts like he just offended his ancestors. He's like, he pulls this just so unnecessary face when the copper just bumps into him. It's really weird. But yeah, it's worth checking out. The yellow van screeches up at the end of the uh, alleyway and Del legs it towards there. And it gets even more cliche when we get a a pack of dogs (laughs) then chasing behind Del. I mean, it's just ridiculous. That's a fun idea. It is brilliant. So good. Some of the best parts of uh, Only Fools is definitely when it's most ridiculous. Like you think of the things like heroes and villains and stuff like that. It's just silly, but it's so brilliant. It just just all works. Um, Del jumps into the back of the van, um, drops all of his loot out of the suitcase, and then we get the copper following down the alleyway, only to then run back because all the dogs are chasing him away. Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's a really fun sequence. The whole thing is great, brilliantly shot, lovely. The pl- police aren't really getting a great rap in these first few uh, seasons, are they? I mean, we had the the one which walked away from the fight, saw the fight, and then walked away. That's true. Go, this guy who's running away from the dogs. You got the guy from the what was it? The Russians are coming. Who was you know a bit corrupt and trying to find washing stuff. <laughs> yeah, trying to sell it. Trying trying to get some cheap underwear. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so not been looked on very favourably. <laughs> They're a bit of the butt of jokes, really. Yeah, but I think that's pretty normal, isn't it, on telly, especially comedy. I mean, the police are kind of a... Uh... They're like easy targets. Fair, all in good taste. Yeah, yeah. All in bad taste, but all in fair play. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's good. I don't think uh, any copper would be offended by any of this. I think it's good for, all in good fun. But Dell is bloody furious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go into scene two, and Dell is proper livid. Chucks a suitcase... Um, into the uh, into the thing, just huffing around, and Linda Pierce just comes up with a brilliant one-liner. Had a good day, Dill. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think pretty much David Jason here for about almost ten minutes straight is just well, no, five minutes is just shouting. Yeah, it's great. Every line he is raised voice shouting and almost entirely all aimed at Rodney it's just brilliant he, he must have had like plenty of ginger tea or something to get through this episode his throat must have been killing him after like, I don't know how many times he would have shot this but yeah he is just constantly shouting even when you think the scene has calmed down like Rodney will be talking normally Dell just start shouting at him again Grand- granddad's not shy either granddad's laying into him as well telling him he's shit <laughs> it's just it's just proper rodney bashing <laughs> the whole episode is proper rodney bashing oh, it, it's like they've listened sure, to our it? podcast and they've just yeah. gone yeah you're right he's a tit let's really play on this um it does slow down a bit when um when Dell says no rodney you're wrong you're not just a lookout you're a bad lookout <laughs> And it just and it just keeps going, just keeps going to Rodney, and and Rodney basically breaks down and and says he's had a lot on his mind, and uh, you know he's got something big to lay on everyone, and to something big is that he wants to break up the partnership. <laughs> and uh, Del David Jason's brilliant because he says I want to break up the partnership, and Del's just like what what I'm stunned and like. What partnership? <laughs> yeah, what, what partnership? Our partnership? Because I think I, I think this is actually quite quite uh, pertinent because obviously that's how Rodney views this relationship is a partnership of which he you know what does he own fifty percent of Trotter's independent traders apparently, where Dell is like no Dell owns this and Rodney is at best a poor employee. Yeah, he's suckling it, suckling at the teat of uh, well. Trotton's independent traders little play on Oh, you see what he did there. Rodney enlightens to the fact that he's going to go into partnership with Mickey Pierce, which we, we've heard from Mickey Pierce before, but we haven't seen him as of yet. Granddad says um, he's not too sure. He actually says he's a bit fly for me. 
Oh yeah? Did you hear him say that? Yeah, he's, he's a bit fly for me. <laughs> I like that. Pretty fly for a white guy. I, I like that he says, uh, I'm going it alone. And then Del's first thing is, who with? Because alone <laughs> couldn't actually mean alone. And he's like, Mickey Pierce. And uh, the uh, the Robin of his grandmother line is also outstanding. Just how subtly mm. Rodney plays that reply. Yeah, I said it was never proved. Very subtle. I mean, I, it was here that I noticed that that Nicholas Lyndhurst looks a little bit older. Actually, um, I don't know. I, I th- it seems a weird thing to pick up on, but I think just his skin is looking a lot better. He's sort of just got a bet. You know, I said before he had like the acne, and uh, you had a bit of heavy makeup and so on. He sort of kind of come out a little bit of that Bambi, uh, you know, young guy proper scraggly um look and you know he's starting to look a bit more like a uh like an adult I mean, which is funny because this this episode is kind of enlightened to the fact that he isn't but in this moment that he's talking about going by himself he had this air of maturity even though again it's him being stupid and i just thought he he looked a lot older than when he did in those first few few episodes and i Start to see a bit of the the timeline um, there for me. He's still he's still pretty gangly, but I think I do know what you mean. Gangly, that's the word. The I thing I really for. noticed in this scene is: have you seen his trousers? He's like wearing them up, no. like halfway up his chest almost, because they're quite high. And I was like, oh, they're weirdly high. And then he pulls them up a bit. He's almost like Richard Richard in Bottom. He's like like pulling his underpants over his nipples almost. It's really weird. Oh, Richard, Richard. <laughs> nice. So he says to Dell, let's uh, break it up. He, wa- he wants to go his own way. And so he's expecting to cash out of his partnership in Tropper's Independent Traders, this company that he's never put any real capital into and has done subpar work for for many years. And Dell Boy gives... Probably lost the money before he's earned the money money. Definitely. I mean, just based on today's antics, you know, that one thing... But yeah, Del Boy's all right. He pulls out a huge wad of notes from his pocket. A wad so huge, I can't believe I couldn't see the bulge in his pocket beforehand. But he pulls out this wad and starts counting out the notes. He never says how much he gives him, but it is referred to in a later scene that he that Rodney still should have 200 quid left after he'd bought some yeah. stuff. So maybe, I don't know, 250 quid or something. And, and gives him some cash, which quite frankly is generous. I think there was really, really, what's the word? He is generous in this episode, oh, but he's, he's just way too generous. But he's like almost kind of selfless. I mean, he's probably going to look to teach a big lesson at the end, but doesn't really ever. But he's just cut, he's kind of Rodney a lot of slack. Like, I think he's just got, he's just having a really good time in the business. He's literally got a little, not money to burn, but he's got time to burn. And he's probably not got the pressure. Is he just so bored? So if anything, this is... Yeah. <laughs> he's just bored. He's literally just paying to watch this cabaret unfold um, and just watch Rodney self-destruct, essentially. I mean, he he must know, as he hands over this money, he's never seeing it again. I mean, he probably thinks that he's going to figure out a way to get some of it back anyway. But, yeah, it's a bit of a loss leader, like... <laughs> Chances are he's uh, he's not going to be getting any of that back. I mean, he he says pretty much towards the end of the scene that um, he wants to that Rodney wants to prove he's as good as Dell. I mean, on what planet he ever expects that to happen? I don't know. Like, what thing has ever happened to make him think that that could be possible in this area specifically? Like, he's not trying something different. He's literally trying to be Dell. He's going to go out to the, the same auction that Dell's going to the next day and just try and be Dell. I mean, it's madness. Yeah, Rodney is just not street smart. Like, and the fact that he even thinks that he could be, or that he could try and even the, the fact that he can think he can get anywhere close to Dell is like confusing. Like this, this whole thing just makes him look even more stupid than than what we think he is. It, it's almost worse than when he just ran away like a child. 
it's almost worse because it's one thing you expect a child to run away, but you don't expect a child to nick his dad's jacket and pretend to go to the office for him. Like this is just ridiculous. Because <laughs> if you want the best, but you don't ask questions, then brother, I'm your man. So here we are, and we finally meet Mickey Pierce in the auction, and uh, he doesn't come across as kind of sneaky and stuff as maybe you'd expect, but he does come up, come across as a Muppet and someone who would be best mates with Rodney. <laughs> yeah, uh, Patrick Murray playing Mickey Pierce. Um, also looking proper young in this episode. Something about being young means that you're pale. I don't know. Why, why when you're younger are you just paler? Rodney looks really pale when he's young. Mickey... Pinky Pierce or Patrick Murray looks really pale. It's just like I'm a... pretty sure those two though stay pale. Yeah, maybe. I think it's just a characteristic of being young. Though, I mean, it is England. I mean, no one's you know bronzed up or anything. No. But, um, but it just struck me. But uh, but he looks really young um, in this. Well, I haven't seen you know, and and all of the only full stuff that I've watched over the last year or so that haven't been the episodes we watched that he hasn't been in. You know, I've seen clips of him as older Mickey Pierce. So it's the first time I've seen Patrick Murray as what I assume is mid twenties in a long time. Mm. And yeah, it's like like looking back on old school photos or something. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, he, uh, I, it, it's difficult to even know where to start with the different kind of silly things he says and does. But he, he basically has kind of no redeeming features apart from being quite amusing to be around. Uh, to laugh at, not with. It's not like he's actually funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, Dell's there, and straight away he's, you know, he's teaching more lessons, he's tucking him up, and you're just asking yourself, can these two men possibly be this stupid? Because uh, Dell goes over and says, Now listen, the one that you want to beware of is lot 37. It's nothing more than a load of old scrap iron, right? So be careful. And, of course, they both get overexcited, having no idea what it is. There's no description. They haven't gone and looked at it, which they definitely had a chance to, because that's how auctions work. And they just buy it. They just buy a nothing. Something described as like, agricultural equipment. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Or sorted agricultural equipment, I think, is what it says. Yeah. I mean, this is just another example of... Uh, of Dell just knowing people and and everything everyone's going to do because again he's completely planned that he's going to go there, tell them not to look at something, and he knows he's going he knows that they're going to buy it. And Rodney's sitting there, all proud of himself, and saying, "Use your noddle, Mickey. Dell's after lot thirty-seven, isn't he? He's just trying to put us off and leave the field open for him, isn't he?" I know how his mind works, Sam. All the while, Dale's just Dale just knows Rodney so well, and Rodney's got no clue what's going on. It's brilliant. He's just playing with him. He's bored, like you said. Uh, it's funny. You could take it as Dale being a bit cruel here in playing this trick, but Rodney one hundred percent brings this and everything upon himself, and therefore he's impossible to have sympathy for. Just because, yeah, and it's it's kind of Dell's money, so it's almost like he's got the right to play with it anyway. True, in fact, yeah, that's a good point. He does get some of his money back because he gets it back directly from this. I had actually forgotten about that. Kind of, yeah, because some of this money that they use to spend on the engines will go go. We find out go straight back into Dell's pocket because it was Dell selling the engines in the first place, which uh, was is a very well played little bit. I do wonder how much uh, how much they paid for it because. Um... It doesn't really come up at any point, and I'll reference it at the end. But I was curious what they actually paid for it. But it was not possible to uh, to extrapolate from the available data. It's this is something you can kind of work. You can you can put it within a range, can't you? Based on various numbers that are thrown around through the episode, my my money's on about fifty quid. Yeah, something like that. But they said it's only worth twenty. Anyway, that's a conversation for later. So we cut to just outside the auction house and looking at a load of load of lawnmower engines and the boys, uh, namely Rodney and Ricky Pierce, uh, just hating their lives, um, just faced with just clear crap. Um, Dale comes around the corner 
laughing his uh, laughing his head off. Um, one of the the brilliant lines that he he does, he manages to get him in nice and close, and says, "Listen, they're not ordinary lawnmower engines. No, no, they're broken lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, is, which is just brilliant. Because even though he, even though they've been tucked up, they still." They're still so gullible that they believe there's like some sort of secret yeah. mythical money making opportunity here. They just have no idea, do they? No. Blind leading the blind. And yeah, of course we get a very small cameo here from the uh I guess what are we gonna call him? The a, a foreman or a guy who works at the auction house. I assume this is something that you would have found in your uh trivia searches on this episode. No, I didn't. Oh, did you not? Okay, so that this chap here that he's talking to, that says, uh, "Oh, I was like, oh yeah, there's there's one at every auction, you know, whoever bought this crap," is the same guy who plays the vicar in um, not America of Peckham, but Video Nasty, talking about Boise being a jaffer. This is the same bloke. Oh, I did see that, but I didn't. Uh... I didn't then search his name to find out which character he was, but I did see that there was a, a duplicate character there. Yeah, it's one of those. There's not many of those in, in Only Falls, but there's a few here and there that are always fun to point out. But, yeah, that brings us to the, the end of this very unsuccessful first auction experience for the new team, which never gets a name. I would have loved to have known the name. That would have been a great scene. The Muppets. Yeah, that's probably not one they come up with. Also, I would like to have seen no. them at a table, like brainstorming what they were going to call themselves. Scene five in the flat, and Dell is just, you know, full of the joints of joints of spring. He's bouncing around like Tigger. He's making tea, and you know, he's loaded. He's got all the money that he needs. He's having a laugh with Granddad, and fancy you know, strawberries. <laughs> yeah, got got strawberries. He's got a great, uh, a great. Again, a bit of business streetwise acumen when he's talking about some uh, some stock he got lumbered with. You're splashing out a bit, ain't you? Yeah, well, I've had a right blinding week. I've sold the loft. Here, he even sold those technicolored woolen tea cozies I bought. How'd you manage that? Who the hell wants woolen tea cozies these days? No, 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 no. Look, I got that Mrs. Murphy, right, to stitch up all the holes, and then I whipped down to the youth centre and I flogged them to the West Indian lads of soppy hats. <laughs> Um, again, just showing that no matter what happens, he's, he'll find a way out of it. You know, he's just seen a new opportunity and and somehow turned tea cozies into hats. And Grandad's having a bit of sympathy um, for Rodney and says, look, you know, I think he's a bit embarrassed. You know, don't lay into him too hard and, you know, don't mention the normal engine. I mean, he says that, but they were both chuckling away at Rodney's expense beforehand. Like, they're both... Clearly finding the whole whole thing quite amusing. Like, Dad is just having the time of his life throughout this whole thing. But yeah, Grandad is wanting to maybe limit it a little bit more than Dell. Yeah, at least when Rodney's in the room. Yeah. So, uh, Rodney enters the room. Um, Dell pretty much goes straight in for the jugular anyway. And says straight up, you know, how you getting all those lawnmower engines? And Rodney's like... Lawnmower, lawnmower. Oh, no. No, uh, we've had lots of inquiries, obviously, but uh, we're hanging on for the right price, you know. Oh, that is the way, Rodney. Agent provocateur, as the French would say. And just just playing stupid, but clearly hasn't managed to do anything with them. Um, Del says little French phrase says agent provocateur, which is provocative factor, which not sure has anything to do with anything. Um, but I kind of like this scene. That This scene for me is like kind of the... The broad strokes of the, the the synopsis of the entire episode, Dell's just showing Rodney everything that he gives him. You know, he's he. I kind of feel like maybe they want the the audience to sympathise with Rodney a bit. I don't know, but you know, we've been bashing Rodney for for two straight seasons. You you even more though, more so than me, um, and it does really feel like he's really getting his comeuppance. You know, Dell's sort of saying all the stuff that he gets for now so he gets his paper he's getting the food and the car and you know not to mention things like the 
heating and the electric and all the other stuff and you know it's also painting for us we've been bashing Rodney for ages and not really gone to the fact that he's essentially living rent free mm. he's got nothing to do he's he's basically a, a, a man of leisure like a lady of leisure you know those guys who go out and earn loads of money and their wives do the square root of nothing Rodney is that Rodney has to put in a bit of graph from time to time but realistically he's, he's living a what's the word Charmed life, uh, a charmed life. Yeah, he's living a charmed life, and we're getting all that spelt um, spelled out for us here, and it's all ringing completely true. I think the thing that frustrates me most in this scene is just all the total bollocks that Rodney is talking. Like he's talking as if he's become a stockbroker, not a market trader. He's like, oh yeah, we've got. Lots of inquiries about this, and I've just been out for a big lunch with a client. It's like Dale doesn't talk or do these things. Like, what the hell are you going on about? Like, how much TV has he been watching? It's like Gordon Gecko, Dale. Yeah, yeah. He, he's trying to copy Dale, and he's not even doing that. He's just mad. And then, of course, it transpires that um, Mickey Pierce has buggered off to Benidorm. With uh, I'm not I'm not sure he's actually gone to Benidorm. I think they're winding. No, up. I think he definitely has. No, he's gone away. I don't think he's actually gone to Benidorm. I reckon he's gone to Benidorm. They said nah. the man gr- like robbed his grandmother, and later <laughs> on they fell their partnership fell apart. I reckon he went to Benidorm. Either way, he's not around. Possibly in Benidorm, he's AWOL. That's for sure. Yeah, he's 100 percent absent without leave. But yeah, Rodney tries to turn this into a many different ridiculous scenarios and then of course Leonard Pierce gets his legendary line which is probably his most legendary line in the whole series in just in terms of the reaction it gets from the audience don't you worry Jill leave it to me very nice very nice indeed What's your partner doing now? Is he buying second-hand pedlos? <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. No, we're um, we're going into the self-catering holiday trade. Oh, what, on 200 nicker? Yeah, well, we're starting in a small way. Well, you got a Wendy house. <laughs> now, the reaction from the audience to this is definitely unmatched, I think. At any point, this is up there with like chandelier breaking level of reaction from the audience, which is funny because I don't know why. I think I think the mood of Del Boy and Grandad at the start of the scene really kind of got the audience up. Like it's a very fun atmosphere, even though it's all just digging at Rodney. It it's a really fun tone, and I get the feeling that Grandad just caught them just right. Yeah, there's 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 a shitload of uh, of energy in mm. early in this episode. And with Dale essentially shouting his way through the scene the entire time, you know everyone is probably quite quite invested into it as well. This Wendy House line uh, obviously got a huge laugh from the audience. Uh, it went on for ages, and um, David, Jason, Nicholas, Lindhurst um, just sort of said, "That's it. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to resign." You know, they they work their socks off doing all the lines and. You know, being the crux of the entire show, and uh, Leonard Leonard Pierce said almost nothing, and he comes out with two words and just gets the biggest laugh that they've they'd ever heard in in the uh, any of the series, and um, that spawns a new rating system for laughter on the show, based on its wendiness. Um, was what what I read: a decent laugh would be a mini Wendy, and a good laugh would be a sub Wendy. And all out Wendy or a full blown Wendy was the uh, was the best to hope for, like the Holy Grail, um, as it said. And David Jason admitted that uh, whenever a Wendy came, it was it was always Leonard Pierce's line. Like he always got the money shot. Yeah, it's uh, it is something very special that line, and it's something I'll be listening out for in the future. If you hear reactions from maybe a one line from a from a character jumping in, is if we can go. Ah, I bet I bet they're all saying at the time that that was a full Wendy. That's definitely something I'm going to be looking out for from now on. It's kind of funny because I guess maybe I knew a little bit about 
this no i don't think i did i'm not sure if i heard this bit of trivia before maybe you had or i'd heard you say something about it but you know we introduced the uh leonard's legendary lines just for me because the highlights of the episodes that we were watching those big laughs that aren't the big slapstick physical laughs were always granddad he was always just able to deliver them so well and knowing that he was this is his last season with us it was it was always an ode to granddad for me or an ode to leonard pierce but it's been hugely validated by by this bit of trivia that that they also uh, nicholas and Hurst and david jason completely agreed that that he was the person getting the biggest laughs which is entirely unfair but just uh, whether it is john sullivan just having that writing or whether his it was just his character and how the character developed or just leonard pierce's unbelievable delivery or just the the trifecta um holy trinity of all of those three i think just comes across beautifully those first three seasons are you know, just a staple throughout. It's brilliant. I mean, I think because he's always, or often very subdued, it always makes his line stand out more. Um, but I do think part of it is definitely the writing because I can think of moments where Albert gets similar types of moments. Um, but I think uh, Leonard Pierce's are particularly special. So this scene ends with uh, Del saying he's going out for uh, a Ruby Murray and a couple of pints and, you know, he's going to go out and carry on enjoying himself. And he does eventually offer the olive branch to, to Rodney saying, I'm not really that hard. And he says he'll allow Grandad to cook him an egg and chips. <laughs> now, obviously, this is obviously meant to be a very funny line. You're thinking that he's going to go out and go for a curry with Del. Quite frankly, I think this is very generous. Yeah, I mean, Rodney should be paying his own way, and he's doing sod all still. It was like Del said earlier in the uh, in the scene. It's like, yeah, Rodney says he's got a cash flow problem, and Del says, yeah, also half the people on this estate they don't come by eating my egg and chips, which I just think yeah. says it all. Really, it's like, what are you on your own or are you not, Rodney? Make your bloody mind up. Yeah, I like the my egg and chips because you know they're mine. Uses egg and chips. <laughs> yeah. They're all mine. Um, so we head on to the Indian Um, we get second appearance of Tony so the the waiters actually we've actually seen before a guy called Dev Sagu who was the waiter at the Star of Bengal he was the same waiter from Diamonds Alpha Heather Um, Man About Town well a man about Um, that restaurant (laughs) yeah Um, he's asking if any of their boys are in and uh, young Tows is in. Have you have you eaten at many restaurants on your own? Airports don't count. No, I did think that actually. There was I I actually wrote there was having a full on banquet by himself. Bit weird, isn't it? Um, I have actually gone out for Indian by myself. What sat down? Uh, yes, but more informal. Um, a, a, a few places. So I've had a, quite a few talis. You know, a tali, yeah. So an Indian tali is the traditional thing that you get on the the big Indian plate where you get the little sections out. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Buffet. And you'll get like two or three different curries. You'll get a roti or a naan or whatever. And you get some rice and you'll normally get like a little bit of writer. So I, I used to live next to an Indian... Well, there was an Indian tali place near where I lived in New Zealand and also somewhere else as well. So, I mean, I have gone out for a few meals by myself. Obviously, I'm working business as well. On the old company card, I've done a few yeah, times. Yeah, that's different if you're, like, yeah, if you're, if you're travelling. That's a thing that can often happen. Like, if you're in a different city or whatever, then sure. But the idea of going out in your local town to your local Indian for a meal on your own, I thought was a bit weird. It's only weird in the fact that I wish I had the funds and time to do it more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be weird if you did. Dale isn't married, doesn't have kids. You know, he he hasn't got a lot of um, ties. He isn't really super busy in the evenings. So it's a bit more of a yuppie thing to do, I guess, or an entrepreneurial thing to do. Yuppie before he's even yuppie. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have done it. I, I'm fortunate, unlike you, not to have many ties. So I um, I probably have had more dinners alone and it doesn't faze me. Faze me. I think I've gone to quite a few pubs to watch like a football game and, and had some food and stuff. But I'm not sure I've been to a proper sit-down Indian meal and ordered, you know, all the trimmings. But maybe... This week I will. I, I think maybe he says like <laughs> he says to the guy are any of the boys in. So maybe this is a thing that there's always, you know, pe- it's a bit like an Italian restaurant in like a mafia movie. You know, like people are always just kind of turning up, and this is where they stop and have a chat. Um, it could just be a Friday night, and then like you're guaranteed to get some of the locals. Yeah, exactly. Home. Yeah, that, that's very true. But yeah, like you say, young, young Towser. So I'm guessing this is a nickname, Young Towser, because everyone always refers to him as Young Towser. But I'm a bit confused by it because he's neither young nor ironically old. So I'm I'm oh. I'm pretty sure he's just called Towser. No, they called him Young Towser like three or four times. No, no, I mean I don't think Towser is a nickname. No, obviously not. No, but I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm referencing the the young bit. Like you got a like Paddy the Greek and something like like. There's always a name attached to it. Um. So I wonder what the young is referenced. Maybe he just started really young and it stuck. Maybe he's got an older brother who's old Towser. Yeah, maybe it's like Towser Junior type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It no, could, could be Towser that. could be his last name. Yeah, it's, it definitely is his last name. His first name isn't Towser, is it? Could be. How many Towsers have you met? That guy. <laughs> when did you meet? An Indian. Uh, series uh, one, episode two. Series three, episode two. Good. <laughs> but anyway, there is a proposition to get Rodney Ashtuck. The deal is. He's basically going to give him the money to go and get Towser to go buy these lawnmower engines off him. And Dell quite rightly points out that this is a win-win for him because Rodney is going to make is going to feel good. He's going to get this money back, which is going to be uh, he's going to Rodney's going to get his money back. But then, of course, that money is going to go straight back to Dell when Rodney goes, okay. He maybe he's going to cut his losses and go. Well, I can come back with my head held high. I've had one good deal, but now let's go back into our partnership. So it's a very clever move by Dell, um, even though he is going to have to pay Towser a little bit to do it. I think this is like a really good bit of additional character building for Dell. He he is again just doing something pretty selfless. I mean, I know he thinks he's going to get his money back regardless, but still. He's going to be. He's got to swallow his pride. You know, he is taking the moral low ground, so um, so Rodney can take that high stance, and he's just he's letting himself be the inferior almost, um, and he is shelling out the money for it as well. Throughout, we talked about Dale being a bit harsh on Rodney and and Rodney just being a bit stupid, but if anything. This whole episode is showing us that Rodney is stupid, does take things for advantage, but through all the bullshit and all the the extravagant and elaborate elaborate plans that Dell goes through, he's just a god honest bloke. He's just a really good, caring, loving person who is being a decent bloke to his brother, even though he's putting him around the ringer and he's sort of, you know, he is having a bit of fun at Rodney's expense. I think he's just trying to show Rodney how lucky he is, and he is. Yeah, but it's almost a shame that he's letting him get away with it with this deal. But this is Dell, for me, a best example of his father-son relationship he has with Rodney. Because I think this is something that is goes way beyond brotherly. It is like father-son like relationship to do this kind of thing to like teach this kind of lesson to be willing to you know take it on the chin lose the money let him think he's won even when he hasn't like the whole thing is is very kind of father-son i think it's just done enough to for rodney to feel kind of a bit you know once bitten twice shy like he's rodney's had his pride knocked he's managed to regain some but he's had a reality check essentially and i think that dell knows very quickly with that that small win he's had a reality check he's retained a bit of pride and he can essentially go back with his tail between his legs but his held head held a little bit high and be like yeah you know what we can get back on this 
Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, I think he might, if I was him, I'd be worried about when he comes back, is he going to, you know, expect more or anything. Um, but no, it, it all kind of works out okay. There's also a really fun physical bit in the pun of the background throughout this scene because he's offered Towser a drink, yet every single time Towser goes to drink it, Dell like quickly grabs his hand to like get his attention and he does it three or four times and then at the very end finally stands up, takes the drink back and downs it. So Towser never actually gets a drink. And But then the thing he does here is a bit silly. The 20 quid he's given him to... He's he's paying Towser to do this deal for him. He then uses to pay off his curry bill. But then, of course, he's also given him 200 quid to go back and buy these engines. What makes him think he isn't just going to take it out of that? Which is, of course, what he does with interest. Because he only offers Rodney 165 quid for the engines. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little bit short-sighted. But the opposite of that is that, again his his situational awareness is just unbelievable like it's almost like magic like he's a bit of a magician he's got this sort of sleight of hand almost going on for someone that i just to say again he is Dell is stupid he is slow and not intelligent and he's not quick witted in you know the the academically but the situational awareness and what he is able to do is almost like a magician. It's almost like sleight of hand how he manages to order a drink for Dalza and then not let him drink of it and then down it before he walks out. I mean, it's brilliant. It just It's a perfect example of how people have different skills. Like, it's almost like, you know, comparing a professor with a football player. It's like they're both great in their field, but you wouldn't have them swap. And this is it. Yeah, Del, Del isn't an academic and he is socially completely inept sometimes like in the last episode with with uh, miss mckenzie but yeah when it comes to doing a deal he's on point he knows what he's doing i think i said before i worked uh, in sales for quite a few years back in a bit of my younger days and there were a lot of people who were just like dell like cutthroat as you would as anything like would do anything they are legends they're so funny proper lads have a really good time go out go down down the boozer with them have a good time but they would all of them stab you in the back to get the deal but they all did like crazy money and crazy deals because they were just like that just the same just you know kill or be killed just you know survival of the, the fittest we find ourselves now in the nag said rodney uh Still looking a bit worse for wear in some ways. He's still got his soul hanging off his shoe. But he's looking a little bit pleased with himself because Del Boy comes in and asks him how he's getting on with the lawnmower engines and then he explains that he's managed to do a deal with young Towser and has sold them for 165 quid. Del's obviously mildly peeved about the missing 35 quid. But uh, I guess that more than pays for the the 20 quid he made him pay for the pay for the meal and the drink he nicked so win win Dell's called it perfectly as always um not only has Rodney done the deal and feeling a little bit more uh, uh, a bit more of a personal achievement and a bit more humble he instantly wants to rejoin the partnership like down to the minute he's uh, Dell's called it mm. um very quickly, Dale asks to see the colour of his money, um, only to find out that Rodney has reinvested the money into the same lawnmower engines. I actually wrote on this, what a plunker, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what else to write. We don't normally go in to actually uh, quote the um, the phrases of any fools, but that is a proper plunker move. Like <laughs> It's it just unbelievable. I think Dale Boy has maybe lost... Like four or five hundred quid this week, <laughs> like from selling Rodney in and then having to buy the engines back again and all this stuff. Like it's just been a disaster for that. Uh, but he has had a lot of fun, so I'm hoping that makes up for it. But Rodney is—you'd uh, think maybe there'd be some sort of redemption for him, but there just isn't. He's just a prat. <laughs> I think. Um, I think Dell reacts a bit stronger to this than he needs to like um 
he is completely mortified that Rodney has reinvested the money, but Rodney can only have bought the same amount of engines, which means he'd only have played the same amount that he paid last time. I mean, we just said that they say in this scene that they're only worth twenty quid, or you know, a score scrap value. We, we know we've we've assumed he paid up to fifty quid. So with 165, they was still getting 100 quid of it back. He's only lost another 50 quid. Well, the thing is, you don't, you don't know how stupid Rodney is, because I'm, I'm thinking, if he's thought to himself, right, Towser can't get enough, so he'll definitely buy them again for 160. If Alfie Flowers knows this as well, because Towser's explained the deal, it's not beyond him to go, all right, well, you can have these, but these are a bit more expensive. These are 100 quid, and Rodney's gone, still a bargain, I can sell them for 160 so you just you just never know. He says he's reinvested all of it, or he's he can't show Dell any of it. So who knows how much he's lost? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, either way, it's full on dick move um, from Rodney. Uh, Rodney does. I don't know if he swallows his pride, but Rodney um, basically says straight up to Dell that he hasn't had a pint all week. And <laughs> yeah. been the, uh, only had only been eating granddad's cooking and, and basically asking properly for a handout now that everything's back on track and he just, you know, expecting to get all that shit for free again. I mean, basically, woe is bloody me. I mean, so he's been having home-cooked meals from his granddad, which none of which he probably cooks or cleans up, and he's not had a pint at the pub all week. I mean, Jesus Christ. Talk about having it easy. Poor you, Rodney. Anyway, it ends um, with Dale say, basically gesturing that he's going to sort him out, but then actually just giving him an elastic band and putting it back and snapping it on his finger for his uh, for his broken coochie. And Least that's he it. deserves. That's, the, that's it. That's the uh, that's the close. But he's the one was driving me bizarre. Why do only fools and horses work the la 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 la? Series three, episode two, a healthy competition. And yeah, musings. Any thoughts, Bob? Yeah, I, th- I think it was a very, very fun episode. I think Dell and Granddad, to a degree, you see, are just clearly enjoying themselves all the way through, uh, which is great. It's it is a shame just how awful Rodney comes out of this, but none of it is really new information. It's nothing we didn't already know. Um, so yeah, it it was a fun ride and a very different feel than the last episode. Uh, we finally meet we finally meet Mickey Pierce as well. So yeah, uh, loads to enjoy. It kind of feels a bit like a personification of of the characters themselves. Like Dell is being really cheeky, having fun, messing around at Rodney's expense, but at the heart of it is just generally being a legend. Mm. And Rodney is doing all the the personified Rodney traits and just taking things for granted, being thick as shit <laughs> and just, you know, not doing himself any favours. And as always, Grandad is just coming up with his killer lines. <laughs> I thought it was it was a really good just proper core concept um character episode. There was loads of energy, laughs just all the way through it from slapstick stuff to just really good one liners. For me that was like a completely solid episode. I was laughing throughout throughout loads of it and it was a really good message and kind of just uh, confirmed everything that we've been saying up until now really. I'll be curious to see if Rodney takes a bit more of a, what's the word? Um, Whatever the word is he won't. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean and he won't. <laughs> no, I feel I feel like there is a change. I don't know that it happens right now. It seems like it would be a good change but I think Rodney does, he does mature as the series goes on and maybe this is a little turning point maybe after this, he does start to take less for granted. I'm sure he's a moaning little git still, but um, but maybe he starts to take less for granted. We shall see. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's uh, probably one that is a great first episode for many people who have never seen any Fools and Horses before, which given 
you know what what we said before in the in the last episode about how maybe this series was one that was really kicking off. Um, I can imagine it was a real great one for for properly pulling people in and hooking them. So uh, yeah, good. Really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, looking forward to the next episode, which I have no idea what it is because I haven't looked it up yet. Do you care to care to enlighten me? It's Friday the fourteenth. Shit. Nice. No, do you know much about it? Oh yeah, I know everything about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. It's funny because um I I know so much about the episode, but it is an episode I never think of, if that makes sense. Like the opposite of say Homesick, where I think of the episode but know nothing about it. In some of the the forums and groups that I uh look at this this episode comes up quite a lot and i i I did forget about it i forgot it existed completely um i didn't realize until right now because i sneakily looked while you were um just chatting away that the next episode is friday the 14th and now i'm like super excited for it yeah this is this is one of those i've not i say i remember it really well i haven't seen it in a really long time so um um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's uh, another very fun, very different episode. So I can't wait. Excellent. Well, this week for the music, um, we did get some of the genius of John Williams at the start. So why not do a bit of his genius at the end? I'm going to go for his flying theme from E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which is just an absolute tune. Random. I know. I know it's really random. But I wanted to play John Williams, and everything I looked at is like, you know, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like everything that he's done is so iconic. Doesn't matter what I play, it's going to be basically a theme tune to another TV series or film. And this was like the most abstract. Uh, yeah, a bit more abstract. It just worked. It's a really nice tune. All right. Um, Take your word for it. <laughs> so the, jo- the John Williams flying theme for this tune. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining us. Um, for the episode and look forward to uh, getting stuck into next week's uh, next Wednesday thanks for uh, thanks for the chat Bob always a pleasure thanks very much for listening to the podcast if you'd like to get in touch with us you can find us on Facebook forward slash Only Fools Brothers or on Twitter we're at Only Fools Bros or if you want to send us a longer message you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com Also really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye.